Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam, the Sam Moses. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about marketing, what it means to you, why is it important, and how to do it in the year 2018. I'm kind of afraid that people won't listen to this if it's 2019, Mm. but whatever. (laughs) 2018's here, and you need to learn how to market your stuff in this year. Deal with it. Because it's important. So we should do 2019 and 20. That's a great episode. That's like a free episode. We'll do it each year. Perfect. Each year we'll do one. Sam, you want to jump into this? Let's jump into it. So Sweet. Matthew, let's talk marketing. Why is it important? Well, funny, Sam. Do you like money? I love Monopoly money. (laughs) Well, that's what you're going to have if you don't market. (laughs) Okay, so if you do not market, you obviously will not have clients. And I made the caveat to Sam when we were planning this episode, unless you're Elon Musk, because I've been informed that Elon Musk's uh, company, Tesla, has a marketing budget of zero. And I do not know how he does it, but... I saw something in the paper that they catch on fire now. So it's like the Ford, it's like the electric Ford Fiesta. So watch yourselves. Are they really? No, what was it? What was it? Ford Fiesta didn't catch on fire. It was the Ford Pinto. That was the one that caught on fire. Yes. You're saying you'd like getting a catch on fire? I saw it on, I think it was on Drudge or something. That was like one of the top things that uh, some Hollywood people were saying it catches on fire. Yikes. So anyway, bad news, (laughs) like bad press, it's still marketing. Correct. And we're we'll talking about later. it. <laughs> we are talking about it. It made the show. Elon, you should be, your, your heart should be full. Okay. So why is it important to market, Sam? I feel that marketing is the most underrated thing for people that have studios. It's something that gets next to no attention because everybody thinks if they just make good music, then people will just give them money and that clients will just show up. And that is not the case in the real well, world. It's super, it's super difficult, too, to really put a value on marketing. Correct. Because if you're doing it wrong or if someone's just like liking your profile because you're doing Facebook marketing or whatever, it's kind of like... Who cares? Is that an actual conversion? Right. So the same goes for Instagram, and we'll get into that later. Yeah, so marketing, if you are not marketing your company or your business or studio, whatever you do in the music industry, 2018, if you're not marketing it, you probably don't have consistent income. You probably don't have clients, long-term loyal clients, you probably struggle to make headway in the industry. Um, And I have found something that I try to help people with, and we'll discuss it in this podcast, is that I don't believe there's a shortage of work or money in the music industry. It's just that people literally don't know that you exist in the industry. 100%. And until you burn that idea into your head, you will probably always struggle with ups and downs, or you may never even have an up. It's just always down, which is a lot of people. And it's sad because there are so many people that I know who are totally capable of doing the work, very talented people, but they have yet to understand that 
if you don't have anyone showing up to your studio, then this doesn't work, you know, or if no one's sending you files. <laughs> this, whole, this whole game can't this, go any further. Yeah, it doesn't work. You won't make money. You, you can't. You can't do it. So that to me, like, when I made the shift, this idea, and I'm sure I didn't create the idea, but just the thought of, like, people don't know I exist yet. That's why I lack work. I mm. shifted into, well, I need to make sure I get my name out. I, I need to give people clarity on who I am, what I do, and where can they find me. And I need mm. everyone to see that. And I thought, if I could do that, then surely one out of 20 would work with me, you know. And that happened. <laughs> so <laughs> I, you know, my story in a nutshell is, I started doing that uh, marketing, which we can get into different ways I did that. But to me, marketing is the key to building your career, building up a client base, and making this work as a whole. So Mm -hmm. if you're not doing marketing now, or you don't think it's important, um, you should probably listen to the rest of this episode. Definitely. Those are my thoughts. Opening <clears throat> remarks. How about you, Matt? No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And know, know this, and we'll get into this a little bit later. This makes it sound like the back end of this is going to be worth listening Just to. So you probably should. So much value. Um, but in talking about conversion rates, as in like how many times do you put yourself out there and yeah. how many people see you to how many times does that generate into a sale? That's what a conversion rate is. Yeah. And just know conversion rates are not high in right. general. Yep. Unless you're like freaking insane. Um, and just some people may not jive with your website or right. just jive with the top song that you have on a demo reel or something like that. Right. But Sam just said one out of 20 is his typical conversion rate. So if you do a little bit of math, what's that? 5% conversion? Yeah. So he has 5% he has a 5% success rate with all the marketing that he does. Right. And that's so, good. And, and that, is, that is very good. That's not like a shame or anything. Right. Um, <clears throat> my wife has an Etsy store, and she does an incredible job with it. And Etsy published their – if anyone wants to buy it, it's called Hook, Line, and Sinker. They should sponsor this episode. <laughs> we should get – Get, get some little, hooks? Yeah, we should get a little sponsorship money for this one. <laughs> um, she'll send you cookies, Sam. Oh, I like cookies. That, that'll be our sponsorship. So we'll... Uh, <laughs> uh, conversion rate. So anyway... Rate. What's her conversion rate? <clears throat> well, Etsy says a typical conversion rate is about 3%. Yeah. Um, so people who view her Etsy page to people who um, purchase like her, her product. Uh, it can yeah. be any type of product or anything. Um, <clears throat> with that... Her conversion rate that she calculated is between four and a half and five percent, depending on the month. Yeah. So she's doing better than Etsy says that a typical store should do. Yeah. Um, so in general, conversion rates are not necessarily high, and it's what makes marketing so difficult to grasp. It also makes marketing uh, almost to a degree intangible how you're spending your resources. Mm-hmm. And resources could be time, could be money, could be um, putting out a blog, putting out 
a podcast. This is this is this podcast is a type of marketing. Yeah. But in general, we don't Sam and I as much as we would like to have people say, "Hey, I'd like to give you my stuff for mastering." It hasn't happened yet. In general, the point of this podcast is for us to say it's a really freaking big world out there. And we would like it's it like the jobs that we do are kind of lonely. Yeah. And not that I need like people around me. I'm an introvert. But in general, it's nice to have a community of people right. that you can reach out to and be like, hey, I got this, I got this problem. Uh, what do y'all think about it? Do you think you do an episode on it? What do y'all think about it? If we don't know, we will say, I don't know. We've done that in previous episodes. Yes. We will find someone who does know, and we will come back and we will revisit that subject. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, marketing is it, – it, it's in all different – forms and figures and like I said we will get into that yeah um, but I think the first thing that we need to talk about is how to market and the main puzzle of that and I think the place where to begin like where the starting line is is the question of who to market to right so I started with our second point, and then Sam blew my mind with our first point. <laughs> our, our, our second point is know your audience. And then Sam chimed in with, he's like, but I think you need to know yourself first. Yes. And I was over here, <laughs> and my mind was blown. So, Sam, do you want to unpack that? I would love to try and unpack it, sure. Uh, so I believe, and this is just my opinion, and it's it seems to work is like you have to know who you are as a person before you can market to your audience. Because if you don't know who you are and what you offer and what you're great at, then it's really hard to find those people that need your service. Because essentially Mm -hmm. we're in the service industry and we solve problems. That's what we do. And to me for a lot of years... I didn't take the time to figure out what I was really great at or what I really liked doing within the music industry, which is why mm-hmm. I did the whole, talked about it before, in a nutshell, did the band, then engineering, then producing, then mixing, and now mastering. And so I've kind of done it all. Mm-hmm. And I did all of that because I never really took the time to be honest with myself and figure out what part of this creation process do I do I like the most that gives me the most life and I can add the most value to people. And I really enjoy every stage of the process, but mastering quickly became this thing that I fell in love with and people continually affirmed in me that this was kind of like the thing that I'm, Mm. I'll say, wired to do. Um, That was probably the most remarkable point of a previous episode. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. Um, and what yeah, was it? I can't remember. Uh, bah, 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 bah. How to get clients. Yeah. It was that. And I think one of the first things was like you have to know yourself and like how to market yourself. Right. And you were like the way to know what you're good at is what do other people affirm you in. Right. And I can't tell you how many times. That was the first time I heard that on the ep- on when we were recording the episode. And I cannot tell you how many times I have repeated that. Yeah. That's so, good. So, I mean, such good stuff. I'm glad it's helping people. Sorry uh, if I interrupted. No. I like compliments. That's nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I will take them all. Do you have another? <laughs> so, Thank you. May I have another? Yeah. So, yeah. So, marketing, you know, you want to market 
to people that need what you offer and you can't know what you actually offer until you take time to figure out what you do specifically and not just like for me it's not just mastering it's the way I approach mastering which we've kind of talked about before but like my approach to mastering is like I will take your song and do things to it like it's going Mm -hmm. to sound different when it comes back Um, because I like using unique pieces of gear my clients like when I do that. We've talked about that before, how different mm-hmm. engineers have different approaches. But when I first started like watching, <clears throat> shadowing other mastering engineers, I learned a ton about foundational stuff, but a lot a couple of the guys that I shadowed were very much like, you know, get in, get out, and that's it. And and that's cool. They're great. Super successful. Nothing but, wrong with that. Yeah, but I just found like for me, I was like, well, if this is what this is, then that's pretty boring to me. Just me. Doesn't mean what they're doing is boring. I just felt like I wanted to to put my own, um, I don't know, just once again, it's like bringing, bringing myself to the table of mastering. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I offer? The way I hear music, <laughs> the way I think music sounds, you know, and how to get songs from you know, A to B is different than how you, Matthew, would approach things. And we've yeah, said it and before. I have, yeah, go ahead. I have a specific way of mastering, which I've mentioned on other episodes. Um, but I think a big pride check at the door is saying, I'm not going to be known as this guy who does only this. And if right. my client wants me to do something else, then I'm going to turn it down. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there was a project that I did that was like um it was like really 70s-ish it was tracked on like an old 70s desk and like using like techniques miking techniques and stuff like that from back then and it was a really like hands-off type mix job yeah and we had a pre-mastering meeting which i really enjoy doing with my clients um just whether it's a phone call or a beer or whatever that is and we were just talking about like his expectations for this album and uh, it, on behalf of everybody and he said hey i know how you clean up some stuff normally let's just leave this alone yeah so if we can just skip that part because i really like how thick it is i like how warm it is yeah and this is the vibe that we're going for right and i was like dude yeah this is awesome like this is a cool different thing it's going to be a little bit of a challenge perhaps yeah but let's like let's let's get this sounding as as perfect as we can yeah like in that world that you want it to exist in so yeah and it's not going to come off like all sparkly when it releases it's not going to come off super sparkly and like clean and crisp it's like there's like there's a lot of this and there and there's a (laughs) like there's a lot of stuff like going on that you would not normally leave, at least to me. Right. But I'm not aw- I'm not gonna step away from like I'm not afraid to step away from what I want to do, like just for like my own pride's sake. So mm-hmm. just be open to doing that. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know you can still imprint your expertise in it while still making the client happy. You know. I know like you yeah. and I both talk about like our main goal is like serving the client. It's always about serving the client. 
But within 100%. that, you can always bring your expertise to the table and offer that to them, which is why they're hiring you, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, because they can't. Do I'd be it. curious to ask you, mm-hmm. and this is—I don't know. This this could be the question that tanks the podcast. Who oh, knows? Wow. Um, <clears throat> because I've run a retail store. I currently run another business on the side. Um, I guess the mastering business would be the side business. The other one would be my regular job. <laughs> um, but I, I, I run that. And the question I always run into that I ask myself every couple months is, is the customer actually always right? Hmm, yeah. And <clears throat> a lot of me wants to say yes, but a lot of me wants to say no. Yeah. Because in the cigar store, they might come in and ask for a certain cigar, but like some cigars become so iconic that the name in and of itself becomes a cigar. Right. And like so this name cigar is then replaced for the name Cohiba or Romeo Julieta. Yeah. Like it's no longer a Romeo Julieta. It's like, no, 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 that's a cigar. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So it's like in that sense, they're technically not right, but they got what they wanted and they feel served and they're going to like have a better experience because – they were served in a way that they wanted to be. Right. Um, as opposed to you taking your own route and be like, no, I think you should do this. Yeah. So I'd just be curious what you think. Like, is, and it's a marketing question. Right. Is the customer always right? I think, you know, what you're <laughs> tapping into, I would call it like, we have a responsibility to educate people. And yeah. so within the education process, which I do on every project with people, some things come up. To me, Getting the client the right end product comes from hearing their expectations, you know, which is what mm-hmm. we talk about. So, like, yeah, once I review the material, you know, and read their responses, their hopes, dreams, you know, for what they want the master to sound or do, you know, then we have a conversation of, you know, if it's needed, like, I think we can do this. I think we can do that. I think we could do this. If you could get the mix back open and change that, we could get to this. You know, it's mm-hmm. an education process um, for me. And I, I think that, you know, to say like the client or customer is always right, I think is a little hard to apply that to mastering because, and this is something like I want people to change their mind about mastering. Mastering is a part of the creation process of music. Yes. You know, it's it's part of the team. And for too There's long... There's a lot of creative steps that happen in the mastering process. Right. And for too many years now, mastering has been viewed as this, like, <clears throat> you know, like a different country. <laughs> like, it's, like, viewed as we do everything else in this studio, and then we send this to mastering in La La Land, in The Wizard of Oz. Like... <laughs> And I really want to change people's mindsets to view mastering as the last step, you know, to get a proper release. And within that, to me, the mixes should sound like mixes, which is a whole other episode or a blog post. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't sound like a master. And whoever you hire to master should be a part of your team from day one. Mm-hmm. And ideally, you know, this is my ultimate goal, and we've talked about this before, is like, the mastering engineer ideally would be involved from the creation of songwriting, essentially. Because I am sonically shaping your whole album, and I I know I could master music better if I was included in the process earlier. Mm -hmm. And that's something I, I try to fight for, and it's something I would love to see change 
is like mastering, the mastering engineer is just as much, should be included just as much as producer, mixer, engineer, the sessions. Like, and that to me helps us get the right, like the right end product. Mm -hmm. But it then becomes like all of us are essentially the customer getting what we want you know, mm-hmm. in a way, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. So I think to answer your question, like, I pretty much do everything my client wants. <clears throat> and I believe, you know, I'm a big believer in allowing them to do that because I think art can be represented in unlimited ways. Mm-hmm. So people hire me for my ear and my approach, you know, my quote-unquote sound, whatever that means. Um, to them. And so, you know, regardless of what whether or not I do what they are asking, their stuff comes back sounding like my sound. And that just comes mm-hmm. from the way my ears process music, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, if a client's like, I want the low end really heavy, you know, I can then move into educational mode and be like, mm-hmm. okay, if you want that, then this may be what we compromise on, or this would be something I, you know, I just want you to be aware of. And that doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but I just, you know, I want them to understand what they're asking. Mm-hmm. And then if they say, yeah, that's fine, you know, we want it to be that way. And like if we have to give up that or this, or, you know, if that means whatever I tell them and they say that's fine, then I say, okay, great. Then that's what we'll do. And so, you know, at this point, I've kind of stopped fighting, you know, I guess holding my ground on a lot of things because I just realized like over the last five years is is what I'm saying is like art is art is art. And like, you know, I talk about, I've talked about like painting being like you can use a different shade of red, you know, and both of them are red or different mediums Mm -hmm. and they're all paintings but they're all looking very differently. You know, you could paint the same picture 10 ways with and use different shades of blues and reds and greens and it looked differently but still the same painting essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. And there's no right or wrong within that painting, you know. <clears throat> like it's still art. Somebody appreciates it. The artist probably loves it. And that's kind of what we're doing, you know. So that's kind of a long I mean a long-winded answer. But I think no, it's it, it's great. I think the customer, the customer will always be right if you're properly educating them and you're properly hearing their expectations. They will mm. always feel like they're right if you do that with them, and that's where I think people get in trouble. Is like they will get mixes. Like <clears throat> a couple of people I've helped is like they'll get mixes, they'll master it, they'll send the masters back, and the mixer will be like. This isn't what I wanted. This is bad, essentially, <laughs> you know. And then, you know, the follow up is, well, why? What don't you like about it? And then they list off, you know, ten things they were expecting. Well, you know, the master engineer should have been asking those questions from the start. Mm-hmm. The mixer should have shared his thoughts as well. But once again, this goes back to like mastering is such like a foreign thing, and even like the big time mastering places, you know, something I don't like about the way they operate is like there's not really communication unless you're an A-list artist, you know. Like you send you your just mixes, something and you don't really get to say anything. You pay your money, you get it back if you like it. 
well, that good job, you know? And if you don't like it, then you're paying more money and you get to do yep. some revisions. But there's just not like, I just really want to change the relationship, you know, between mastering and the music creation process. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that to me, like, the customer and client is always right if you're asking the right questions and if you're educating them properly, you know, and then they're going to always yeah. feel like they're, they're going to they're gonna feel like they're heard, they're going to feel like they're cared about, and they're going to get an end product that they know you know, you put in your time and effort into. And all those things are true. I mean, that's what we're doing is we do care. We do want them to get the best end product. So That's it, man. So that's what I think, like, yeah, the customer is always right, but it's only when you've, you know, had the right conversations to set... When you've done your job. Yeah, to set both of you up to win, so... That's my thoughts. Well, I mean, if you're the only one who's winning and you're the only one who's always, to you, right, Yeah. then it's like, what well, type of relationship is that? Yeah, that's so fun. You know, like, the, uh, to me, that's boring. Like, to create the yeah. same song over and over again or, like, that's why I don't, I don't love using the same signal chain on everything because I, it's just boring to me. Like, every song that comes to me, even from, like, a lot of the same mixers, it, they're usually super different. Because they've spent the time creating a unique sound for the artist, you know. So I think it's got to be collaborative. It's got to be a team effort. And it's not like a, a you versus them approach ever. It's a, yeah. I'm a part of this. I'm step 10, you know. And you need step 10. Otherwise, you're stuck at nine and you have an unfinished product, which is not what you want. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I don't think the podcast will end after that question. <laughs> nope. I think yeah, that was uh that was handled pretty well. Excellent. <laughs> we will see. We'll see. So so that that I think covers knowing yourself, so knowing yeah. your audience. Yeah. So in terms of marketing, so who are you so you have to ask yourself the question, who are you marketing to? Yeah. And once again, Sam and I have talked about this in a previous episode, and I'm pretty sure it's the the clients one. <clears throat> on how to get clients. Yeah. But you really need to know who you're marketing to. Like, yeah. what is your demographic? Like, and then I kind of got into a weird conversation here when I put this down, but it's like, where is your demographic, like, in a socioeconomic standpoint? Yeah. And, like, i.e., are you going to price yourself beyond what people could in, like, who you're marketing to ever? Right. Are you pricing yourself out of what they could ever afford? Yeah. And... I mean, so it's like it just it. You need to know your audience, like how they behave, how they act. What Sam even goes into like where they go to eat, right? And like what they do. But like the more that you know about your client or your your future clients, the more you can market to them. And you right. you know where they're going to be, where they're going to be consuming their information, whether it's on blogs, whether it's podcast, whether it's um, whether they're on Instagram a couple times a day, whether it's Facebook. Or if they're hanging out on Twitter, it's like, do you need to be doing marketing there? Yeah. A little side note, mm-hmm. and you can have your business on Twitter, but this is actually something I'm very vocal about because uh, we have a marketing gal who <clears throat> uh, she set up a Twitter for our other company, and she said, so what do you think about Twitter? I said, in all honesty, I've never seen a business go onto Twitter and then come out having gained anything besides a bad reputation. <laughs> And I don't know, I might be completely wrong, 
But in general, I don't like the only thing that a business receives on Twitter is scrutiny. Yeah. Um, you and it's really the only time like someone reaches out to you is if somebody wants something. Yeah, it's or definitely if somebody's complaining. It's definitely become like a customer service <clears throat> hotline where people yeah. just complain. And then I was reading Inc. Magazine a couple of years ago, and this swimmer, um, they reached out to. I think it was Burger King. Mm-hmm. I think it was Burger King. And they said, and it was like one of their favorite like places to eat. And they said, hey, Burger King, I want to sponsor uh, my next race. And it was like a pretty big, like high school ish swimmer. Yeah. And Burger King replied back in a couple hours saying, what size Speedo do you wear? <laughs> and they totally got him a Speedo that on the butt it said, think between the buns. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. So it's like, it's funny to watch that happen, but it just, there's, on Twitter, there's such a gimme type atmosphere. Like, give me this, give me that, give me this. Like, give me satisfaction. I'm pissed off. Here's my opinion on this. It's like, as a business, personally, you do not need to be on Twitter. I don't think there's any benefit of you being on Twitter unless you want to engage in that. Yeah. Um, Or, and it, and I, th- I feel like even if you do engage in that, I'm trying to figure out a way that you can do that and not be spammy. Mm. And I can't really think about that. Mm-hmm. Like, think on how that would come about. Um, yes. So, yeah. But know your audience. Know where they are. Know as much as you can about them. Yeah. So that you can appropriately market to them. Right. Um, if they're not reading blogs, then don't write a blog. <laughs> Right. Yeah, on anything. Yep. And, but it's also like goes back to know yourself. If you're a really crappy writer but your audience knows blogs, maybe you can start writing blogs but like never post them. Right. <laughs> Until they're like – show them to like other people who then can affirm, yeah, this doesn't suck or this is, this is good. And then you can go ahead and you can post them. Right. Um, but it's like – like, like I said, you have to know yourself and then you have to know your audience and make sure that you can cater to them. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I Am would I say something or? no. I would just want to add like a quick way to see if you know your audiences. Like if you've been active on social media. A, if you're not active on social media, you're missing out. Like you are. I'm gonna say there's serious FOMO if you're not on social media right now for this. There's serious FOMO if you are on social. Media. <laughs> yeah. There's both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, I mean, for 2018. You know, Instagram's huge you still. Do it. Facebook's huge still. It doesn't mean you have to be on there for hours, but you have to take advantage of the free platform and essentially unlimited free potential clients that exist yeah. on you know those platforms. And I think a quick way you can see like, do you know your demographic or your target audience? Audiences like when you post things, you know, via Facebook, you know. Instagram, whatever platform. A, are you posting things that are relevant for that platform? Because each platform to me, like we just talked about Twitter, has become kind of like a customer service hotline. you know. And Instagram to me is more of like a pretty show off your life. And then Facebook is more like, you know, grandma lives my there. grandma and here's my mom and are, is it my house pretty? You know, don't I have a, yeah. a lovely suburban family? So but you also took it to an interesting level, uh, and you went to LinkedIn. Yeah, I mean, I love LinkedIn. I like slept on LinkedIn for years. I thought it was a waste, and then I got on it 
it was it was uh, it's because I read it on some girl's blog who was doing sync uh, TV and film stuff, and she hmm. said, you know, once again, no, this is a perfect example of how you have to know your audience. Like she spent years making all these great songs for TV and film, and just like trying to pitch them in town uh, in LA. She lives in LA, and she was getting nowhere. And then finally, she like went on Google one day. It was just like who's in charge of actually making these decisions of what gets in and out? Because she had went like mm-hmm. the catalog route, you know, all those big catalogs, which like you can make money off that, but you're giving up like 50% to them and they're probably, yep. you know, giving up 50% to their contacts. So the money just like gets cut so quickly and it's really hard to make a living when you, you're giving away 50% of your thing always. So she found out, you know, and this is anybody that wants to get in sync in TV and film, here's how you do it. And I applied this and it worked too, is find music supervisors. That's the person you want to talk to. That's the person who uh, will make the decision if the song gets in the in the film or TV, television show. And so she went on uh, LinkedIn, she went on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and just started typing in music supervisor. And of course, if someone has that job, you know, and they're employed, it comes up that that's their job. So then mm-hmm. she just went down the line on every platform and just sent her catalog custom, you know, and you can, you need to do your research. This is part of, you know, marketing your audience is if it was an MTV show, she would say, hey, I've got the perfect song for when Susan's crying after a breakup, you know, in the future episode. And it's 30 seconds long and it's called this, you know, and then I have this song that's 20 seconds. This clip of 20 seconds will be great for an action scene, you know, when someone's driving in their car on this show. And, you know, she's, she's solving problems from, for the music supervisor. You know they have to pick music. Oh, yes. But when she pitches, and this is how I pitch to people too, it's, you know, helping them visualize the, the problem already solved. So mm-hmm. instead of this guy going through 10 sad, you know, Sometimes when you turn in sync stuff to people, they want it organized in category, you know, pop or Christmas or holiday or whatever. But if you take it to the next level, <laughs> just say sad. Yeah, if you take it to the next level of like girl crying after breakup folder, then they're gonna go right to that <laughs> and be like, oh, this is gold. Like, I don't have to search for anything. I can take all five of these songs. This episode's good, and that's what she right. started doing. And these music supervisors were like, this is awesome. Like. You're speeding up my process, adding time to me, which adds value and money. That's and a sad then, episode with five girl breakup crying. Yeah, I'm not sure songs. what show this is. And either that or she's playing the field and everyone's upset. <laughs> yeah. Or knows, knows about it. Also, guys cry too, so I'm not picking on girls. Um but yeah, so that was her approach. And like that took her fine-tuning her audience, you know, and figuring out her audience and then taking it the next step forward, which is like showing them you can solve their problem quickly. And that's what I started doing for mastering was I would go on LinkedIn. I still do it. I just type in mix engineer and there's literally like 10,000 plus mix engineers on LinkedIn. Mm. And I, for the last year, have just been going through the list and I'm on like page 40 at this point. At the ends? (laughs) I'm not at the end of it yet. No, like the letter N. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm somewhere in there. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I talk to people who, 
I look at what they do. I look at if I would be a good fit for that, and then I pitch them, show them some of my work, tell them I do a sample, and then we start the conversation. And then you know, the conversion rate on LinkedIn for me is higher than like one out of twenty. I feel really? like because it's if someone's on LinkedIn with a legitimate People profile, there business. yeah, they're there using the platform as opposed to like Instagram. Like you could create in like two seconds. You know, yeah. LinkedIn. If you have a legitimate profile and you're ranked, because they give like kind of rankings, you know, premium account or pro account and gold star and all these things, like you can kind of filter through and be like, oh, this person, like this is their platform. You know, like they're here to to use it. They're not here to like see Joey's cat do a dance or something. <laughs> you know, and that to me <laughs> is like the big difference within like different social media platforms is like. They're all there to do something specific, and if you think they're all the same, you're you're missing out on how you know mm-hmm. you should market. So that to me, like knowing your, you can do a quick poll or a test on yourself is like when you post something on Instagram, what's the feedback like? Is it any? You know, is anyone engaging? And if you do that, you know, if you've only been posting pictures of gear for the last year. And you get 20 likes, 20 likes, 20 likes, 20 likes, 20 likes. And you haven't converted anyone or engaged anyone. Maybe you sh- shouldn't post gear picks anymore if you're trying to yeah. use it you know, for a, as a marketing tool or to show people that you do music. You know, I've found the more uh, transparent, you know, some of my biggest posts have been me like grilling chicken in my black dad Birkenstock <laughs> sandals. Like... Like that, uh, it you know, and it's just me being me. Like I didn't even think about, I didn't plan it. Sandals yeah. get a cameo. The dad sandals, there they are. But it's things like that where like people want to know you're human. You know, on Instagram, I think Instagram's a big like. People really do want to kind of get to know you. If you want to become popular on Instagram, just post real life because there's so much fake yeah. life. On I'll it. say, and I will, I will cut in, I will interject yeah, go. and say, like. There is no more, like, right place right now on social to be a real human than on Instagram. Yeah. And I feel like the stuff that I've posted that it's, like, a truth bomb or something like that. Yeah. And I I posted something about how if you ever think it's about you and not the client that you could not be more wrong. Like, something like that that's, like, kind of controversial to post for a business. Yep. But it's like, if you think that it's about you and not the client, like seriously, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Expletive next to this episode. Beep. It's just like, like holy crap! Like who the heck do you think you are? And it's like that was like an honest conversation I had with somebody that day. Yeah. Not that they thought that they were better than the client, but it's like they had an experience with that. Yep. And I mean, I I can't speak enough good things about Instagram. Um. I do post a lot of gear pictures, and the interesting thing is that I have way more interaction via stories than I ever do via posts. Yeah. If I do stories, like some posts, they'll get like, I don't know, every now and then they'll get an interaction. But if I do stories like every single day, like, or every single day, I will have an interaction. Yeah. Like from multiple people from stories. But it's interesting because stories don't get followers. Yeah. So it's a weird game that you have to play and like how you keep people engaged. If you don't have an Instagram right now, you could literally have, call it nine 
post just to kind of fill up the main thing. And then you, all you do is you post stories about like what's going on and what your thoughts are on this and like actual topics that are of like value to people. Like our first topic, I feel like that we discussed on this podcast was torrented software. Right. Nobody talks about it. Right. But you go on Pirate Bay or Kickass or wherever and you can get what just about whatever you want. Yeah. The second one, telling you that you are worth more than what you are currently charging. That is like that is gold. Uh and then talking about I think our first three were like torrented software, you were worth more and like auto mastering services with Lander. Yeah. And it's like we're talking about like the three first like big ones about like what are things that like people are really talking about. Yep. And then the fourth one was like invest in yourself first. And it's like you are worth it. Yep. And it's just like making sure that you're just telling people like what's actually going on right. and what like like that they are of value because they are a person on this earth. Yeah. And it's like if you just do that in the form of a post, you're going to have so much freaking people just saying like, thank you, I needed that today. Or like, like bots don't spam people. Right. Like off of stories. Yeah. So, but it's interesting once again because stories don't generate like – they don't generate any follows. So you do have to it's like a it's like a back and forth. Yeah. Um I actually will take something back I, I said about Twitter. Oh, okay. I have a friend who got an interview at ESPN mm. because of he reached out to a lady in the analytics department at Twitter. Yeah. Or at ESPN yeah. via Twitter. So I will take that back. But um yeah, I don't like Facebook. I don't really <laughs> keep up Facebook, but I feel like you need to have like, you need to have something there. I don't yeah. know. Maybe to show grandma that you're not as worthless as <laughs> she might think you are. I, I don't know. Who knows? But, like, something there, – there needs to be a presence. I, ever right. since I changed my name from B-Side to uh, For the Record, yeah. uh, I never really updated anything. And I didn't really find anything bad. But it's like people will try to tag you in things. Right. And they'll try to be like – Mastered by so-and-so at, oh, shit, that name's not here. Right. (laughs) So so it's like it is good to have that and to have, like, that constant generation of people tagging you and stuff and whatnot. So I think, to me, that's all it's worth. I don't do Facebook advertising as a studio. I don't think it's worth it. I even tried it as my other business. Yeah. And I got a ton of likes. No, no, I got four likes. I got a lot of views and no follows. Yeah. So that was $50 worth of nothing. Right. Um, yeah, wipe your butt with that, throw it down the toilet, because that's not worth anything. <laughs> that's what it's worth. Um, so, yeah, social. What else do we have? Yeah, I, I mean, Instagram's really the big one. LinkedIn, That I, I really have to try that. I've been meaning to try that. Yeah, go ahead. Try it. See if it works. You know, I've, I, I find will. it to be helpful to connect with people quickly who are, quote-unquote, professional, you know. But there was something, and I quote Gary Vee every single freaking time in this thing now, yeah. but... He had something. He was giving a talk, and I think I sent it to you. It's around six minutes. Yeah. And he was saying that if you're doing 100% of everything social through one platform, you're missing the boat because what happens if you're doing everything through Instagram and you wake up tomorrow and Instagram's dead? Right, exactly. So, and it's like also, also point this out, nothing that we've said will cost anybody money right now. Right. Like, like we're not saying you gotta have to go run ads or you have to go do anything. Like, right. do your research on hashtags and something, or copy Sam. <laughs> yeah, you just copy. Me. Sam seemed to work. 
So yeah, and like me. keep up on how like algorithms are changed and right. whatnot to combat bots and right. all the random people in I don't know China who are logging on and liking your page and liking random pages and click farms. I don't know. Oh, do you know what was yeah, click farms? That was it. You know what was weird for a long time. Like when I restarted my account, yeah, I had like a lot of like random people who were posing as like adult film actors and like slutty actresses <laughs> like following my page yeah and it was just like it was always six photos and that was it yeah and they're like I've follow this link for a good time and right. i'm like i get no more joy out of my life than i do when i block those yeah. and report those I just pages report yeah <laughs> yeah you, you you feel good about yourself, like you did a deed, right. like you did a deed that day. You're cleaning up What's the, the Boy Scouts. Do a do a good deed daily. I feel right. like reporting adult fake adult film actors. I know. That's really a Chinese man sitting in a beanbag chair, naked, eating Cheetos. That that's a good day. <laughs> a lot of things happening that's a good, in China. That's a visual right there. <laughs> Let that soak in. Uh yeah. So yeah, social media. Uh be yeah, a part, but be when a you part do, of it. don't be spammy. Yeah, don't be spammy. Be genuine. Don't be spammy, but reach out to people. Find the people that you can solve a problem for and approach them. And literally, like, for me, I mean, I've, I love testing things. Like, I'm always experimenting with pitches Same. and lines, and, you know, it's a game for me at this point to just see, like, what works, what connects. And I've literally found, like, if I find someone who I feel like I'm a really good fit for, I really believe in just kind of saying, like, hey, who do you use for mastering? You know, or I'd like to master this album, and that to me has landed more things than the. I see a lot of people do this approach of like, "Hey, what's what's that piece of gear in your studio? Oh, that's cool, cool. What are you doing? Oh, cool, cool. What are you? What? Uh, and it's like all this small talk. Yeah, it's all this weird small talk, and it's kind of like, man, just get to the point because people that are busy and are professional, they don't have time for small talk. Like they. There's nothing better like than you approaching them and be like, I can solve your problem. Do you want me to solve it? Yes or no? You know, and yeah. then they can be like, yes or no. Or if they say no, you say, Okay, well, what about next time? You know, the follow up. It's always been very impressive to me how bold you are when you like when you start this interaction, you're like, Hey, what projects are you working on? Yeah. Or I mean hey, do you need a mastering engineer for this? Or hey, I'd love to be like kept up to date about like your mastering needs or something. Right. Or. But the reason I'm that bold is because I I believe I'm solving a problem for them. You know. No, it's great and it started working for me when I did it. Yeah. And my and my wife was like, "Matt, why are you on your phone so much?" <laughs> and I was like, "I'm responding to all these random people on Instagram." Right. Yeah. And she's like, "Well, what do you say?" And I'd say and I'd tell her what I'd say, which you told me to say, and she'd be like, "You can't say that to people." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I did to 30 people today. Right. Yeah. I so, mean, there's nothing wrong with but being... But don't be spammy. Yeah, being direct. Spammy is like when people are like... Yeah, well, what piece of gear is that? Yeah, what piece of gear... You know, when you're just beating around the bush, when at the end of the day you just want to know, are you in or out? You yeah. know, the the worst thing to do is like... This is like the classic one that I talk about is like people who are like, oh, super booked up, only two days left, you know, in August. Oh, yeah. And you're like... You, I, I talk to them, and they're like, yeah, I don't have anything on the books. And I'm like, well, this isn't the way to do this. Like, you know, and I've had, yeah. I've told this story. It's, 
you know, I've had a potential client for them then come to me and be like, yeah, so-and-so said they were booked up all of August but two days, so can you do it? And it's like... I've had that as well, yeah. And then I say, yeah, I have time, you know. Like, most most people are booked up, but, like, I don't know very many, even at the high level, people that are so, you know, unbelievably booked that they wouldn't try to make room for it if it's a cool project. Yeah. So... I I just know like from my experience, the busier I get, like there's still some time here and there, and projects are always shifting around. Even like label stuff, deadlines are always changing, and so time does open up. Like I know very few people who are legitimately like, yeah, I cannot do anything else for the next two months. So yeah. Um, oh, and like just and one one podcast I really want to do. This should be a future one that I should write down is. On just on scheduling out like yeah. your week, your month, or however you do that, I'd like to pick your brain on that. Yeah, but that's that's down the road in another one. Yeah, um, but I will sometimes just because I don't have it figured out. I will post. Um, so thankful, been booked up since April, and it's like uh, June, and I am like completely booked up. Right, but it's like I I I do still have people that'll email me and be like. Hey, do you have any availability uh, during this week? I'd love to have you master this album. Yeah, and I will just reach out to the person who has that that time booked out and say, "Hey, just wanted to touch base with on you or touch touch base with you on uh, how mixing's going and uh, if we're still all set for the twenty fifth or whatever it is." Yeah, and they can either say yes or no, and uh, nine times out of ten, there's been some type of delay. Yeah, and you can now fit that project in that you know is going to fill that time. Right. Yep. So it's like I do it, but I kind of do it for my own sanity. That it's like I need to have this space mentally blocked yeah, off. I get that. And it's like I just want people to to like know that like I don't really give a shit about bragging stuff. It's like if I wanted to brag, I'd do it. In, <laughs> I'd do it in a different way. <laughs> but it's just like. I'd do it more from a scheduling way, but I would love, absolutely love to do a an episode just on scheduling. Yeah, we can do that um, sometime. Just to pick your brain on it. Totally. Everyone's like, man, that sounds so boring. <laughs> but I feel like as you get busy... I was going to say, wait till you get it's busy. Like, <laughs> yeah, wait till you get busy, and then comes the anxiety of like right. you're double up on a project or something like that. Yep. So Absolutely. And I can talk about my process, and Sam can tell tell about his, and then I can change my process the way that Sam does it, and it'll be great. <laughs> cool. So okay, uh, yeah. So social. social. I don't know of any that. social that might not work. Um, Tinder might not work, but you know who knows. <laughs> who knows? If you have any luck with Tinder, getting a, a studio gig, <laughs> let us know. Um, let's so, uh, let's move to referrals. Referrals number two. You want to take it away? I think referrals are awesome, <laughs> and a referral. Well, it, mean, it means some, that someone loved what you did. Exactly, and it's amazing how many people will refer you if you tell them to do that. So, like for yeah. a long time, I didn't tell people, "Hey, if you know anyone else who needs mastering, or I'd be a good fit for it, you know, send them my way." I never, yeah, I didn't say that for years, and I didn't have a lot of referrals. And then as soon as I started saying that at the end of projects, I started getting referrals. And I was like, oh, well, isn't that just makes sense? Isn't that great? <laughs> like, I asked for it and I got it. Yeah. But that's the thing is like people, 
the way to me, like I view psychology, some of it is like, if you put that on someone, like, hey, if you know of anybody else, please refer them. As humans, we have this, I think, hardwired into us. We want to help people. Like if you use yeah. the word help in any phrase, people are more likely to jump on board and help you as opposed to if you ask it in a different way. So to me, once I started doing that, people then had this quote-unquote burden, which it's not really a burden, but I found that almost everybody that I sent it to eventually referred someone, you know, within like hmm. six months. And that's a great way, you know, my business, a part of the re- the way I've grown so much in the last two years is from direct referral from a project, you know, working with a band who knows a band and then that band knows a band and that band knows a band. And now that's it. the cool thing with the referrals within that is if you happen to like move up the ladder as you go, like say you're at like a C-level band, whatever that means, a band just starting and they're touring with like a band that's just above them and that band hears their music, then they ask and then you start doing the headlining band's music and then that headline band happens to do a festival with uh, A-list band and then that A-list band happens to hear their music and then all of a sudden you've made this like level jump really quickly by referrals mm-hmm. and it's all from an implementation of like AV. You haven't done anything. Yeah. And just being really faithful to A, whatever, you know, this is a good thing to apply to everything. Any project you get, you should treat it like it's the biggest project of your life. I believe that. Mm. But the referral thing is super strong within the music community. And especially if you're in like a, a music town, I'll say like Nashville, to me is like so, 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 so small. And, you know, if you start getting your name kind of having a buzz around it in town, it just catches on like fire. And to me, that's what I tried to do here. You know, it goes back to like our original point is like people don't know you exist. They don't know that you do what you do. And so I made it, you know, a main focus. A lot of my time in town is telling people, this is what I do. Here's my business card. Go to this website and fill out a quote form. Like do that. That's your, you know, your thing. I'd like to see your business card one day. Oh yeah, I'll take a picture of it sent to you. So it's, it's nice. a cute, it's a cute little thing, super small. <laughs> it's like a stick of gum size, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, that's hilarious. I love referrals. I also love referring people to other people. You know, like connecting people <clears throat> with people. I think it's it's fun to help people out. Um, oh yeah, that may sound like really cheesy to some people, but. You know, if if you've mastered, what time do we have a good experience. Yeah, like if you've mastered a band and a band loves it, then you know they will be happy to tell the next band, "Yeah, this was a great experience." You know, and I loved working with Sam or Matt or whoever. And that is like that's kind of the best client because the client's coming into the project like super stoked already. So there's not really they know what you're sound. gonna you know they know what you're capable of. Yeah. So, to me, referrals are huge. The way you get them, tell people to refer people. You can do an incentive if you want. I don't. I did that briefly, and I literally had multiple people say, "Like, hey, dude, I don't need a discount. Like, you're providing a service, so like, I don't need a twenty percent off for a free song. Like, yeah. I'm happy to pay your rate." So, you know, it it was one of those things where I thought I need to like beg people you know, to refer and give them something, but they already have experienced the value, so they don't really care, 
you know, about getting something else. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe other people do referral stuff and it works awesome for them. But I just found for me, like, I didn't need to do that because the clients were already super happy and more than willing to refer me if it was a good fit for someone else. So, uh, yeah, I, f- I think I think this I think this verbiage is called operant conditioning. Mm. But a way to make sure that the referral keeps coming back is you like if you are getting referrals and that client who gave the referral comes back to you. It's never bad just to throw him a bone because you made money off of his referral. Mm-hmm. And if he just has a single, be like, no, man, this one's on the house. You just gave me that like $1,000 job. Right. And it's just like a single. It's like, what is it to you? Oh, unlike, yeah. Unless you're like super hard up for money. But it's like, it's like you just got to make sure you don't do it enough that you're starting to devalue what you're doing. Right. But yeah. I mean, in general, there's nothing wrong with just saying. And I did that back in uh, January. Someone who brought me just a ton of work. And I was like, no, nah, man, first one of the year, this one's on me. Yeah. And it's like, that's all good. Also, this is awesome. And it's something we don't have on here yes. on our list, yeah. but it's going in the podcast. Okay. Sam told me about this, and I did it this year. Oh, what did I And I'm not going to say the response was awesome, <laughs> but I just really, like, I felt joyous doing it. It could have been the time of year. But Sam does Christmas presents. Oh, yeah. And I did Christmas. Is that what you thought I was going to say? No, I had no idea what we were going to say. <laughs> oh, I thought you said, I know where this is going. No, I had no idea. No, Sam does Christmas presents. And I started doing, uh, I, I got a couple for uh, people who I do a lot of work with and who send me a lot of work. And um, if nothing else, it's nice because it's right. the time of year. But also, it's like, you write a cheesy note with it. Right. And it's like... I'd like sent out those like Rupert Neve socks to like seven or eight people. And in the note, I sent like, I said, may this bring like warmth to your tone and like mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's like, come on. And it's Great. like, and I, I said that like they were like a, a stereo pair of like Neve equipment. <laughs> and somebody, re- somebody responded back. He's like, yeah, if I lose one, it'll just be a mono pair. Hopefully that doesn't happen. There's a good one. Hope it doesn't get lost in the wash. <laughs> My mono sock. That's so, a great joke. But it's like, just do little tiny stupid things. And it's right. like, this is the podcast you should be taking notes on. Right. So the next part, the next big bullet point, not this next stuff, is where I think you really need to. But after referrals uh, come, um, like as in like where to market, you have blogs and publications. I'm not saying where to uh, appro- like to approach these people. But to be mentioned in this, it's like another word of mouth type thing. Yeah. But you can be like Sam and you can start your own blog and you've had people reach out to you. Oh, yeah. Like for writing and yep. it's like, like, it's like what an honor that is. Yep. So it's like, or if you can get in some type of publication or something like that, just yeah. something that won't cost you any money. Like don't, you don't need to really spend money these days. Right. Um, to, to get your name out there. Yeah. Um, so that's a quick one, unless you, unless you want to really dig into blogs at all. No, I, I mean self-explanatory to a degree. Yeah, I mean all like blogging, podcasting, all of it is once again to me. It, it circles back to like, and I'm gonna say it again. It lets people know what you are, like what you do, yeah. who you are, and the more you can get your name out, the more likely you will find people that need your service. And that's the yeah. whole kit and caboodle of this episode is like, know who you are. Then take that, market it to people, and market it to people on every platform that we have access to in 2018, 
which is all pretty much free. You know, yep. every social media platform is free. Blogging's free for the most part. You know, websites. You know, you pay a hundred bucks a year to host. It's so cheap. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah, it's super easy to understand. And yeah. I also encourage people like. You may not think you're a writer or like blogging would be fun, but just test it out and see if you like it. If you like it, cool. If you don't like it, don't do it. You know, and that's kind of podcast. Yeah, that's kind of with all these things is like you may find that, you know, I mean it's great to diversify if you're if you're on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram, Snapchat, whatever else. But you may find that your audience really is on one platform. And that's kind of like you know, I have a couple of those and then my blog. And that's kind of where I land, you know. And I, I honestly like I don't have the mental headspace to be on six different platforms all the time. So I've picked Same. like two and a blog. And that's where I focus a lot. And, you know, for me that's that's been plenty, you know, to get No man, that's people. perfect. So I think that's like the important thing with all this is like don't freak out after this episode and be like, I gotta get on every platform and I need to make a movie and uh, write a book and then I need to start an audio <laughs> podcast and then I need to go to every show and refer like just take some time, figure out who you are, figure out, you know, who actually needs your service, and then pick one place to start and just start there, you know. And then once I'd you get say, that down, then move on to the next. So yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> I'd say also with blogs and publications is podcasting. Yeah. Um, it's relatively easy. You need a microphone and an interface. And you don't even need that. You just need one of those Yeti blue, like right. blue Yeti things. And yeah. you can pretty much do whatever you want with that. Exactly. Um, Sam and I kind of pride ourselves on a little bit higher of an audio quality uh, thing just because yes. we're a mastering podcast. And by the way, this is a complete. plug for Sam. All that music on the beginning and ending of the episodes, Sam makes every single clip. Thank you. So if Sam's like, like you should just inquire with him if you need whatever. (laughs) And it is like, it pulls every single episode together and makes us sound way more professional than we are. (laughs) Thank you. So. Every every time, like Sam sends me, like, yeah, this is uh, this is the final for review. It's like. Holy crap, dude, this sounds insane. So <laughs> thank if you thank need you, some you. music for your podcast, yeah, hit me up. Look, look Sam up because it sounds freaking insane. And he just does it in his free time. He loves doing it. Yep. You get play you said you get placed on like TV shows and stuff like that yeah. too. Yeah. I do. Yeah. So it's awesome. Look <laughs> Sam up and like like get on that if you if, if that's what you need. Yeah. Um but Happy yeah, do, do it. Podcasts are pretty easy. Um you're already recording, so you more than likely already know how all the kibosh works. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we use Fireside for our hosting. You can use anything in the world for hosting. I highly do not recommend using Squarespace. Squarespace sucks for hosting a podcast because I tried uploading this podcast to Squarespace, and once you press play, it takes like, I don't know, maybe like three or four minutes for like the whole thing to buffer. Yeah. And for it to start playing, I highly do not recommend using Squarespace. Yeah. Um, but you just need something to like host it, and then once you have it, you just distribute your uh, your feed everywhere in the world, and you only have to do it once, mm-hmm. and you're golden. So yep. if you want to start a podcast, want to know how? Look me and Sam up, or Sam and I, however it goes, and we'll let you know. Yep. Happy to. Um, the last one for where to market. 
um, and I'm sure we're missing a ton of them, uh, your own website yes. or landing page. Yeah. Um, get that SEO going. We love Squarespace for our websites. We do. I think that's what you're on. Yeah, I like it. Um, all their stuff works absolutely fantastic. Yep. And I could not be happier. But you yeah. need to have uh, preferably some work you've done, like a little bit of cred- credentials. If you're a little bit newer, you can get a little bit creative. Do not lie with things. Do not uh, lie. No. People will f- sniff that crap out, especially in the internet age. People will sniff that stuff out. Yep. Um, but post some work that you've done. If you haven't done work, then find a way to do it without doing posting work. Yep. But post what you're about. If you want just some content, link your Instagram to it. Right. Like link a blog to it, link a podcast to it. Have a quote page so people can go on there and they can say, hey, I'd like for you to master my stuff. Right. And it works. It, it genuinely works. Like I've had cold calls and people being just filling that out and being like, yo, thank you so much for filling that out. What can I do for you? Yep. Um, so yeah, and for time's sake, we'll do the last one. Um, it's relatively quick, but this is the part that you should probably get a pen, pencil, uh, quill, whatever you write with, and paper. So we'll wait for five seconds here. I just want to make one comment on the website thing. Sure. And I'll keep it short. But basically the biggest, the biggest issue I see with people's websites and what, you know, I help people with is like, you don't want your website to be like a beg or a convincing type of website yes. where it's like, hey, you should work with me because I'm really good and everybody else is kind of bad and I know you. there's a lot of bad people out there, but I'm actually better than them because I say <laughs> I'm better than them. So please work with me. Like that type of website is all over the audio industry of like Smear. the music industry where it's just like, I have this and I have that and you should work with me and I'm better. And it's not... And everybody's missing the point, and this is like goes into marketing is it's not about being better. There's no better. Like yeah. it's a moving target always. And what you offer is unique, and you need to make sure that is what your website presents. Not that oh. you're better than the next guy. It needs to present here I am, this is what I do. Here's some of the work. Would you like to work with me or not? Here's a form. And that's it. Like getting clarity on people's websites instantly increases like revenue. Like I've seen it work time and time yep. again where people have spent months building out a website. I look at it, I'm like, we need to take off those eight pages. We need three up front. <laughs> and it's so simple, but then they start getting more clients because the client only has one option. You're either taking the action and filling out the form or you're not. You know, There's no place to get lost on the website. And until you have a foundation or a platform or a, an extensive client list like your website should be very very clear and you know only the only within like the last year has I added you know multiple tabs for blog, blogging and podcasts and all that but that's because I've spent the last 7 years developing a client list and people know what I do finally like there's not much confusion on that but when I first started with it all it was you know all I had was here I am you know this is me. Here's what I do. Here's some music. Do you want to work with me? Mm-hmm. And that was huge in building up a big client list and helping people see, you know, this is Sam, he masters. This is Sam, he masters. And that's what you want in your website is you want someone to hit your website and go, oh, this is Matt. Here's his company, he masters. You don't want them to hit your website and be like, this is Matt. And oh, he likes 
to do this and he likes that and then oh he thinks the music industry is broken but he's better and wait what am I doing oh okay and that you know why did they come here to begin with exactly and then the last thing you want to like the last thing you want to do from your website is instill doubt and remind people of how bad the industry actually is (laughs) so like you know that's what I see with a lot of people and the intent from them it's always good like they're saying that because it's you know they do want to help people and they do want to you know ensure their future potential client that they're good at what they do and they have the experience. But I've found that people that are really the best clients, they're already aware of how the industry works. You know, they're already aware that there can be bad mixes, bad masters. And they really want to know like, what do you do? What's it sound like? Is it a good fit? All right, let's work. And that's all you gotta do. So I just want to say that little, you know, spiel when you're doing your website, just bring so much clarity to it so that when people get to it, they immediately know what you do and how to connect with you. So, If you want a website tip for 2018 yes. on how to build it and how it should look, this is the tip. This is the tip. Less is more yes. and more is lazy. Ooh, there we go. And every website that I build, I make it so that you do not get one page a maximum of two beyond the home page. Yeah. If it is a second page, it opens. So, like my other company, we have products. So we're gonna have a spec sheet. Yeah. So, you go into the whole product gallery. You select the product that takes you to the product page. That is two pages is the max that you're ever gonna get away from the home page. Yeah. And then if you click on the spec sheet, it opens in a new tab. Yeah. Nothing like getting stuck in a PDF and having to figure out how to get out of that. Yeah. So it's just like. In general, less is more and more is lazy. Yep. Um, it's very easy just to like, no, oh, just put a bunch of shit on a page. It's a very, very bad way of doing things. Yeah. And it, it confuses people and it's like, it, it confuses the eye. And it's like, even like in, in restaurants in general, you'll have people who will like, like whenever they're designing restaurants and menus, they'll put a little eye tracker on the top of a menu and they'll look where people's eyes go on menus. This yeah. is like obviously not like in your like Denny's or something. <laughs> like 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 an open restaurant. It's like whenever they're practicing like on how everything should be, it's like mm-hmm. where does the eye go? We're going to put the stuff that's the most salty here. We're going to put the drinks in the middle and then we're going to have the entrees over here, and it's like how a buffet's laid out. A buffet's laid out with all like the really filling stuff, the fattening stuff up front, mm-hmm. and then like all the stuff that actually costs them money down the line once you're already full. Yep. So like that's how their things work. It's like don't do that. It's like have everything so the meat and potatoes are right there, and that's it. That's yep. all. That's why people came to your website. So less is more. More is lazy. Boom. Um, and then the last. Oh. I'm not going to get to the last point real quick. Another great way to market, and Sam does it. I want to do it, but I'm currently too lazy. And <laughs> Sam has an email blast that he does monthly. Yes. And he's like, hey, these are a couple updates about my business. Thank you to such and such. Hey, by the way. And so he gives all this stuff, and then he gives some more. And he's like, hey, here is a free plugin that I found that I use it in this way, and I really like it. I think you should try it out. Yes. It's really awesome. And if you're not subscribed to Sam's email blast, do that because it's super helpful. And it's just kind of cool to keep up with what he does. Thank you. He does a lot. So, okay, last point. Last point. You should already have your fountain pen 
your ballpoint, your dip your feather felt in tip. the ink. Yeah, don't lick it. Take turns your tongue black, ruins dinner. It's all weird. Anyway, this is the last point, and write this down. This is how you know if your marketing is working or not. You have something called a KPI. It's a, called a key performance indicator. KPI. And it's how you can go back and you can tell whether or not your marketing was successful. These might be good for you. These might be bad for you. You can cater these however you would like. Just a couple things that um, Sam and I were talking about. And I actually added one as the, uh, as the, as we were just rambling on here. Um, so once again, it's called a key performance indicator or a KPI. And it's how you tell whether or not your marketing or anything else in your life is working. And you look for these indicators. Number one that we have is uh, engagement. Mm -hmm. Response to stories, messages, comments. And a little sub-bullet is this engagement leads to a, like, solid conversation. Yeah. Not something spammy. Like, something of worth. I've I've spoken with two people who who follow me who um, <clears throat> responded to a story and both of them have said actually one of them I bought a piece of gear from and and he's yeah so yeah this is this is true for both of them um, they're both coming to Charleston sometime this summer and we're totally getting together people I have no clue who they are yeah we're totally getting together and just talking shop that's a key performance indicator that you have engagement and that it's right. solid engagement. And you might want to put engagement to the point to where they might want to grab a beer with you yeah. if you ever met. That's a cool KPI. KPI number two, as we already spoke about, word of mouth referral. Um, so this could be about your work. It could be about your marketing. I'm going to combine two and three. Mm-hmm. Three was like any negative feedback, but I think that goes with number two. So one being engagement, two being word of mouth referral, even if it's negative feedback. And this is why negative is good because you at least know that people are seeing you. Yeah. Um, of course, no one wants negative feedback, neg- negative marketing, negative anything. But it means that what you're doing is kind of right, but how can you tweak that? Yeah. So that's a cool KPI. And number three that I came up with, and this is kind of how in general I say whether or not I did a good job. It's yeah. not that I got the client to begin with, it's if they are a return client. Yeah. And how many return customers do you have? The return customer is a 100% KPI of your marketing. That means that between album one and album two, you were able to keep in front of them. You were able to keep them engaged. You were able to keep them like, just like you were able to stay right in front of them and you were on the tip of their tongue when they said, who should I come to for mastering, for studio work, et cetera. Yeah. So I'd say that's one, two, and three. Engagement, word of mouth, to include negative feedback, and then return clients. Yep. So Because marketing isn't just about getting new people. It's about keeping the people you already have engaged. Yes. So make sure you're also like engaging on other people's com- content too. That's like a big no-no if you're not doing that. Yep. So engagement is a two-way street. Absolutely. So like marriage. Correct. So less expensive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was great. Oh well, you like that? Yeah, I think you just nailed it. That's the mic drop. I'm not dropping this mic. Yeah, I, I actually don't own this mic. 
my buddy Angel, who I talk about a lot, this ah. is totally his mic. He's like, you should try one of those Aston Origins. Yeah. And it's freaking awesome. If you like the sound of my voice, think of how your voice could sound through it. There you go. Or your kick. Marketing. Or your cabinet or whatever. <laughs> no, so. I think that was great. I honestly, <laughs> you just nailed that. KPI. I don't need to add to that. That was great. Dude, I love it. Well done. So, what do you think about that show, Sam? We finished in the time you wanted to finish in. I, I think we hit just about everything. Yes, we're good to go. Sweet. So, cool. If anybody has any questions, comments, concerns, cries of outrage, I'm sure we did not cover like a whole marketing degree that you would receive at a university. Probably not. We probably didn't do but that. But we're close. I don't mind being redundant because people totally ask me. It's like, hey, what do you think about Tornet Software? And it's like, oh, yeah. you didn't listen to the first episode, did you? Right. So I don't mind being redundant. No, we're forgetful um, people. That's just who we are. Everybody's forgetful. Or you might just not listen to the first episode. That's and that's true cool. Yeah. It gives me more content. You're right. <laughs> that's the name of this game right now. Content, content, content. Content is king. So, anywho, Sam, anything for the people in podcast land? Uh, I think... Whatever you're having, you should have a good one. Morning, noon, or night. What's the thing in the Truman Show? Like, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good night. That might be it. Is that just that a, might be it? Just like waving at the camera in the sky. We don't have a camera. I have a microphone. Yeah, you probably hear the air from my hand waving. So yeah. Anyway, thank you for whatever listening. Whatever y'all having, morning, afternoon, evening, have a darn good one. Yep. I feel like I'm missing something. I don't know. That's how we usually end it. I can't think of anything Something else. about, like, rolling, queuing. Rolling cars? Oh, queuing. Queuing what? Cue ball? Oh. No, that's not it. Cue the music, Sam. Queuing! <laughs> Thank you all. Take care. Bye.